On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. Why is there so many friggin' sirens going off every time we're doing a recording? Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat. Now he takes off the shirt. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. This is going great. This is Tall Can Audio. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside another episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. My name's Matt Robinson. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. I hope you'll subscribe wherever you're listening to this one. Really happy to be welcoming to the show today, Chris Walder from the Walder Sportscast. How's it going? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. This gave me an opportunity to record a podcast while having a beer in my hand, which doesn't happen a great deal, but I'm glad you brought that to my attention because uh, I'm ready to go, man. I'm, I'm well prepared for this show. That's awesome. And uh, come on, you've never you've never snuck one in while you're, uh, you got an, your own show going on. So, you know, when you're not on, when it's an audio medium, sometimes you can get away with these things, right? That's... Yeah. Well, you know what? I've, I will say I have done it a couple of times, yeah. but not as frequently as I would like because I a beer is like a luxury for me at okay. this point it's like every once in a while i'll be able to go to the lcbo or the local market get some local stuff but the, recently i just went up the street to a, a local place and i got myself a few cans and then when you asked me to come on the show i'm like eureka the universe kind of planned this out for me <laughs> that's perfect timing so uh, tell us about the place you went what did you uh what do you what did you pick up what do you got going on today so i went to a supermarket just up the road here uh, it's called lamantia as I believe, and they sell like a lot of local uh, craft beer. So what I ended up getting, so so first of all, let me just say, there's this restaurant in Peterborough called the Publican House that my fiance and I really like going to, mm-hmm. and they have a little uh, craft brewery right next door. So every time we're done our lunch there, we go next door, I end up getting like five or six cans at a time. And my mom came over this past weekend, and we went up the street to this market, and I realized that they sell the Publican House beer. So oh, what gorgeous. I ended up getting was this beer called paddler's ale premium craft beer 4.5 percent alcohol and it's i think it has something to do with the canadian canoe museum it says paddle your own canoe and uh, with the purchase of this handcrafted beer you're helping support the expansion and continued growth of this treasured museum so i'm a big museum guy i'm a big beer guy this blends two worlds together and uh, it's instantly become one of my favorites paddler's ale okay so i've tried a couple of things from the uh the publican house but um Never that one, I don't think. I also wasn't aware we had a, a canoe museum. Uh, I don't mind yeah. a good museum. I'm not sure what the canoe museum looks like, but maybe that's something I'll have to check out when the uh, the pandemic lifts. I am. Uh, I should tell people that you're, uh, you know, not too far from Peterborough. So I wanted to get in on this as well. Uh, I'm at. I've got something here from the Bob Cajun Brewing Company. 
Uh, this is called the Firefly Belgian White. Um, see, it's mm-hmm. got some traces of uh, orange slice, a little coriander. So we'll see what's going to happen here. I'm I'm fascinated by it. Haven't tried this one before. Uh, have had a bunch of stuff lately from the Bob Cajun Brewing Company, um, but never this one. But most of their stuff so far, I've really enjoyed. Have you Have you sampled any of their stuff? I haven't, but shout out to Bob Cajun because they have a place down there called Cake by the Lake uh, <laughs> that sells like some really mean cheesecakes. Which and they they have uh, they ship them off to some of the places in Lindsay as well. And there's also a place there called the Grilled Cheese Hideaway. So wow. again, I'm kind of embracing the Kawartha Lakes lifestyle and going to these small ma and pop shops, getting some really amazing food. So Cake by the Lake and the Grilled Cheese Hideaway. Check that out if you're in the area. Is it weird that I'm like more fascinated by the Grilled Cheese Hideaway than Cake by the oh, Lake? Oh, dude. <laughs> It is so freaking good. They have like this every time we're there. They never have this awesome like mushroom melt grilled cheese sandwich. I always miss it. One of these days before the end of the year, <laughs> I'm going to get that grilled cheese. Big grilled, grilled cheese guy right here. For sure. Uh, I, I've got kind of a, it's only for me. Although if people want to catch on with it, I have a, uh, grilled cheese Mondays is my thing, especially during the pandemic. Every <laughs> Monday I've been making grilled cheese for lunch. Uh, I won't lie. It's because usually uh, my big recording day is uh sunday and so sometimes there's a couple of pints and maybe monday you're not feeling super and a grilled cheese soaks things up uh mm-hmm. pretty nicely so grilled cheese mondays it's gonna be a thing man get on board uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna incorporate that into my uh, weekly routine grilled cheese mondays i like that <laughs> um so you referenced you know you're embracing this uh this kawartha lifestyle uh you weren't always in the kawarthas so why don't you tell us a little bit before we get into uh some more topical stuff your own background and um, you know, your show and, and kind of how your, your journey has gone here. Sure. Yeah. I mean, for most of the 10 years, uh, last 10 years I've been covering NBA basketball for a, a number of different outlets, mainly Bleacher Report and the score in downtown Toronto. So from 2015 through 2019, I was an NBA news editor there, uh, did a lot of stuff for their mobile app. And then in 2019, just days before the Raptors won the NBA championship. I was unfortunately let go from the company. So it was kind of like uh, a, a weird time, but I was able to watch the final game in the comfort of my own home and not have to worry about getting news out and stuff. So sure, yeah. that was still a great day for myself. But over the last couple of years or so, I've just been kind of trying to figure out my next path in life, just finding work whenever I can and trying to keep my name out there in sports media, which is why I kind of focus a lot on my Twitter account. And then with the pandemic, kind of gave me an opportunity to start doing my own podcast. So I'm 34 episodes deep into the Walder Sportscast. Please check it out on on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your shows. And I got a really cool episode coming up this week as well. But I think that's just my way of kind of being creative. That was something, unfortunately, I couldn't do at my last job. And now that I have free reign to do whatever I want, I'm able to talk to a number of great guests and, and, and ask as many questions as I want. And yeah, like you said, I'm out in Lindsay, Ontario right now. My fiance has lived here pretty much her entire life. And she dragged me out of the big city of Toronto. I lived in Scarborough uh, since my early 30s or, or until my early 30s. And now I'm in, in Lindsay, the small town vibe, Tim Hortons on every corner but you know what I'm, I'm actually really liking it i'm not stuck in traffic anymore my new job is right up the road from where i live so it, it's it's added years to my life i'm not going down like the dvp or anything anymore and getting stuck in traffic so things are, are starting to come around for me i must say i've um my family there i, I my parents and uh, i got sleep more family than I ever would have expected have ended up not too far from Lindsay. So I've been down a few times to, uh, to visit and, and check things out as a kid. Um, 
spent a lot of time in first Port Perry and then Bob Cajun and around Lindsay. We had a, a boat, like a cabin cruiser, and so we'd go up and down the Trent. And so we were through Lindsay quite a bit. And uh, honestly, hasn't changed too much in the 30 years that kind of <laughs> gone. It still looks a lot like it did back then. But nice little spot, right? Not a bad little town. I do have to laugh a little bit. Um, you know, I'll be in the car with, uh, you know, one of my parents or whatever, and they'll like groan if we wait like 30 or 40 seconds before you turn like, oh, this is traffic. Right. And you're like, traffic? <laughs> have you forgotten? Like, cause we grew up in Oshawa. You're into Toronto all the time. Yeah. You're like, this is, you have forgotten what life used to be like. Right? The, the little Man, this is nothing out here, man. <laughs> you know, country living, right? It's not so bad. And uh, it is nice. I sleep better when I go see my parents than I do at home, just because it's so quiet, right? There's no buses rolling by. There's no no traffic at all at night. Uh, I got a niece who's riding her bike all over the place without a care in the world, which you wouldn't have done back where we lived before. So <laughs> it's a neat spot, man. I will say that there's a lot more cow manure out yeah. here than in downtown Toronto. You just, you roll down the window on a nice day like today and you're just getting a big whiff of it, unfortunately. Well, and like there, my parents' place backs onto like this big open farmer's field and like, I don't know what they're growing, but it just kicks the crap out of my allergies, <laughs> right? Like, and in the city, I'm like, I don't even notice it. I don't even realize I have allergies, but like one morning in the country or evening spent in the country, I'm just like, oh my God, my head's going to explode. <laughs> everything kind of blends together when you're walking in downtown Toronto, whether it's like smoke or fumes or cars or whatever, or marijuana. (laughs) It's like, you don't even notice those things out here in Lindsay though. When you get a whiff of something, it it stings the nostrils. It's really bad, but uh, it's, you know, a rare time because I try to avoid the farms as much as possible unless I'm going to see my in-laws. But uh, I noticed it a lot yesterday and uh, I think it's still stuck up my nose there. Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, going back around to your show a bit, um, two shows I caught recently that I really enjoy. And I'll admit, like, basketball is probably my third sport. I'm anything but an expert. I'm, I'm more of a casual fan. And I'll, if I'm being honest with you, and maybe this is something we should get into a little bit, I kind of mm-hmm. like that I don't. That I don't know how to put that. I don't fancy myself an expert, right? Like when I watch the Leafs power play, and I'm just freaking out that they're not doing it the way I think they should do it, right? Whereas I watch right. basketball basketball more casually, and I'm like, I just enjoy it for what it is. And I think there's some, um, you know, some joy I miss. And I'm also not as tied into Raptors Twitter, so <laughs> I'm not as miserable as I am during Leaf games. <laughs> um, there is that added. But you recently had um, Matt Bonner on the podcast. Um, yes. How did that come about? And um, why was he someone that you singled out? Because with my limited kind of Raptors knowledge, but he was always like, I, I love that guy, right? Like he's just <laughs> one of those guys that the fan base really seemed to rally around and he's been gone obviously for several years now. And, and but how did he, or how did that become uh, somebody you targeted and, and how did you manage to, uh, to get him on the show? That was kind of a goal of mine. When I started the podcast, I wanted to get like reach out to a lot of former NBA players. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to work with the Toronto Raptors many, many years ago before I even started doing the whole writing thing. I I was there. uh, I did like a victory lap in high school because I didn't know what I wanted to do in college. And I just told my teacher, I was like, can you get me into sports? I don't know what it is. Even at a footlocker, I'll work work at a footlocker if that gives me some sort of experience. And she's like, well, you know what? 
We had a student that uh, worked for the Toronto Raptors a few years ago. I do have a contact there. Would you like to try and check that out? And I'm like, obviously, like I'm a massive (laughs) basketball fan. I'm a huge Raptors fan. So over the years there, I was able to make a number of contacts and I got some emails along the way. And honestly, when it comes to Matt, it was a lot of pestering. Unfortunately, I I sent him, you know, maybe a couple of emails a month for a couple of months. And uh, I was just like, hey, man, I have this podcast, you know. I have a little bit of a following on Twitter. Would you like to come on and maybe chat some hoops with me? Mm-hmm. And after a while, his agent got back to me and said that Matt would absolutely love to because he he has his own podcast now, the Spurs Landia podcast. And he's he's almost kind of like trying to practice like the whole like podcast gig, you know, sure, maybe yeah. get some more reps by doing other people's shows. And he agreed to do my show. And when I first started recording with him, first of all, the recording was a disaster because we lost like the connection like three or four times. And I was so bummed. So there was still a lot more that I wanted to ask him. But I I still got a lot of content that day. But he told me that he kind of lives up in the mountain area out in New Hampshire right now. So he drove 20 minutes down the mountains to a neighbor's house <laughs> to record the show with me. And I was so flattered at that time until I realized that he actually uses his neighbor house to do the live hits that he does when he does like the Spurs pregame oh, wow. and postgame <laughs> shows too. And I'm like, okay, so you were going to do this anyway. <laughs> it, it's, it's no big deal. But I'm going to think that you did this just for me. And honestly, Matt was like one of the coolest guys. Like he complimented me afterwards, said I was an amazing podcast host. He complimented my introduction for him as well. And that was kind of the morale boost I needed. You know, I don't necessarily do the podcast to get like thousands upon thousands of listens. I kind of do it for my own. I don't know. I wouldn't say vanity project, but just something that I could be creative and talk to a lot of cool people, especially during this pandemic, right? Where you're not going out and meeting a lot of right. a lot of people. So I was like, I'm going to use the experience I had with the Raptors to maybe get some former players onto the show. Matt Bonner was gracious with his time. He was always a favorite of mine back in the day. The Red Rocket he was only here for two years, but he left quite the impression on a lot of fans such as myself. So I was really grateful for his time. And hopefully moving forward, I can get a couple of other players on as well. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that eh? with the the way the pandemic has rolled out. Typically, this show was always me and uh, a buddy of mine. I have a studio set up in my condo. And once or twice a week, we'd get together, have a pint and talk sports. And mm. obviously... The pandemic locked everything down. Suddenly, we couldn't do that. Um, he's not much of a tech guy, so in terms of even getting him set up to do the show remotely, that was taking a little while and having to kind of talk him through it. It's funny. I had a couple microphones that I was sending out to him, and I had people on Twitter who know our, you know, our show, saying you should put as much of that together as you can before you send it to him, right? So it's only one <laughs> cable to be plugged into yeah, his yeah. computer. Little <laughs> things like that, right? Um, and uh, so that was taking a little while. So in the meantime, yeah, I started doing the same thing a little bit, reaching out to, I'm kind of a sports media nerd, right? So I was mm-hmm. more so looking for uh, more than athletes. Some of the, you know, I wanted to talk to Ray Ferraro or Chris Cuthbert or James Duthie or these types of people, right? And um, once you got a couple of them, it became easier to get others, right? You're almost able to name drop a little bit, like, um, yeah, and, and get a feel from those people on who they think might be willing to... Uh, to jump on but it's almost become a thing now like every wednesday we have a guest instead of just our you know remote shows it's kind of become a, a cool thing you're dropping into that spot today so that's pretty cool as well uh one of the other guys you recently had on um is is a name that maybe not as many people will know but i thought was uh was a great show the zoobs was on not too long ago to yes. talk a little wrestling um i'm a big wrestling guy from more so when i was a kid and a teenager and all the way up kind of into my early 20s and stuff 
I'll be honest, it's lost me a little bit over the last few years, but kind of this, I don't know, injection of new energy when AEW has, has kind of launched, um, has sort of sparked my interest a little bit more again. Um, just tell me a little bit before, uh, I got a couple questions for you on that front, but you know, how does it, how long have you been kind of a, a wrestling guy? And, and do you remember kind of early matches or, or what era we're talking about that sparked your interest initially? My mom hates that I still watch professional wrestling. I think like everybody's she, she, mom hates that their kid watches wrestling, let alone well, their adult kids watch. Well, to be fair, though, it was a lot worse back in the day in terms of like the violence, the yes. bloodshed, or whatnot. So every time I would turn That's on Monday Sable Night Raw, Sunny running around, yeah, yeah, exactly, like half naked women all the time. Now they take the women a little more seriously. Yes. But uh, I, I, my earliest memory with wrestling was watching WrestleMania 14. I think my my parents got me the VHS tape, and every time I went over to my grandparents parents house they didn't have a lot of movies at the time but they always had that wrestlemania vhs so i would watch it constantly over and over many times and kind of just initiated my my infatuation with wwf now wwe of course and over the years you know monday night raw was can't miss for me and unfortunately kind of over the past few years i've kind of lost touch with with that program i've become like you mentioned more of an aew fan i kind of like the alternative to that company a little bit more edgy a little bit more about the wrestling itself not kind of corny story Mm storylines and that's where i'm at right now with wrestling i appreciate the athleticism more so than anything else, I'm a big New Japan pro wrestling guy where it's just like straight wrestling up there, not a lot of gimmicks or, or whatnot, and it's all about the matches. And it's just something that I've kind of wanted to incorporate more into my podcast as well. You know, I do have that basketball background, but there's a reason why I didn't name the podcast something specifically about basketball calling it the world walder sports cast it left the door open for me to have people on from many different backgrounds and specifically basketball and professional wrestling because those are my two loves so having someone on like the zoobs who uh has a background you know not only covering it but being a a massive fan himself i enjoy talks like that because that's not something that i was necessarily able to do working for the outlets that i did yeah and that was a great show like uh i thought that had you know, that was a lot of fun to listen to, and obviously you guys who know what they're talking about. This week, uh, we reached the 20-year anniversary of the closing of WCW. And uh, for people listening who maybe aren't the biggest wrestling fans, back in kind of the mid to late 90s, there was a second company uh, besides the WWF that was kind of, had taken over a little bit. Better ratings, had the NWO, had Goldberg, and, and had kind of taken over for a bit. WWF kind of reasserted themselves with uh, Stone Cold and The Rock and that type of, uh, that era anyway. And in 2001, um, WCW closed. There had also been a third company called uh, ECW, a little bit smaller than those two, but had a kind of a cult following. It was kind of the the punk rock version of of what uh, the two big companies were doing, but it also closed at the same time. And I wonder with the benefit of hindsight now, um, we went, you know, 15, 18 years, whatever it was, with not much of a challenge being mounted to uh, the now WWE until AEW came along. But I wonder kind of, in a broader sense, what you think the closing of WCW meant for the wrestling business and just kind of, you know, there really only being one big game in town in in North America, what that did to the business and, and maybe why it damaged yours and my and so many other people's interest in it. 
that's why I'm such a big fan of AEW right now is because I love having that second company that can kind of, you know, when WWE is bothering me and I'm not interested in the storylines, I have another program on network television to watch. And that's why I think WCW during its final years, which was just some of the worst wrestling I've ever seen, like when Vince Russo wasn't charged, they were all about the gimmicks. They were a little too edgy for their own good. There was constant title changes that didn't make any sense. Viagra so the writing was match. Yeah. Like what the hell was that crap? <laughs> And, and there was just I remember some of the other matches they had like little people wrestling and whatnot and they had like uh, Buff Bagwell's mom on a pole like, I, it was just the worst crap but uh, so but when WCW went down unfortunately it just said that you know the WWE was the only show in town and if you wanted to be a success in the industry you had to go work for Vince McMahon and that's kind of what I thought was a detriment to the business itself is that, well, with it's only one-stop shopping for the, the, the biggest company in the world, they can basically get away with whatever they want. They could sign whoever they want and they could do whatever they want with the talent that they have. So I was happy, you know, maybe in the mid-2000s as well when a company like Total Nonstop Action Wrestling was kind of on the upswing and they mm -hmm. started getting guys like a Christian Cage and a Kurt Angle because that was signaling that, hey, if you don't like working for Vince McMahon, come here. We have pay-per-views. We have television. You can make a name for yourself. And that's why with AEW, you know, a little over a year into its existence, you know, I've been watching all of their pay-per-views. I watch Dynamite. I'm certainly going to be watching Dynamite tonight. It's it's just a nice breath of fresh air because with WWE, there's just a lot that I'm not really digging at the, at the moment. I think they find of they find themselves copying a lot of, you know, board like board cliches when it comes to wrestling when it comes to the matches themselves the endings with aew the the results matter which is a big thing for me i'm a big sports guy they kind of pride themselves on wins and losses and records and if you're on a winning streak maybe you'll get a title shot with wwe it's like you go in the middle of the ring you challenge the champion bada bing bada boom you're you're in a match at wrestlemania challenging for a world championship i don't like that so right. with with wcw yeah it was unfortunate because it just meant everybody had to go to wwe but now you're starting to kind of see a change in that regard and that's coming with aew do you think there's any merit to um there's sort of i guess two different uh ways well there's a few different ways of looking at the thing but do you buy the the argument that once WCW and ECW were gone and Vince really wasn't challenged, you did mention TNA there and they tried to get up mm -hmm. and going and, and put on an okay show, but never really challenged um, WWE for top of the mountain. Um, do you think that hurt their creative process that, that no, you know, when you're not challenged, you're not kind of forced ever into a corner or to take any risks? Or do you just think, you know, in a more general sense, their creative just wasn't very good? That's just a natural recurrence of not having competition. Yeah. It's like you're you're not being challenged creatively to do whatever you want, like to 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 make the best product imaginable. And you were kind of seeing that in the mid two thousands, like just the product was was fine, it, but it wasn't like interesting to the point where you know Raw and SmackDown was must see television each and every week. It yeah. was just like okay, you're kind of going through the motions right now. So when you don't have that competition, but they tried to create internal competition, you know, when they did the brand separation, yep. so Raw and SmackDown, and then inevitably over the years, NXT and, and the, the new ECW, kind of creating that internal competition, which was nice, but at the same time, it's, it's completely different than, say, having another big-time company pushing you to the brink, and, and that's, again, why I'm such an AEW fan, and I, I think a lot of wrestling fans 
envision a world where a company, a secondary company, can kind of overtake WWE. Let's be honest. No one is going to be pushing WWE down to second fiddle with the money that they're raking in, the television deals that they have. I think wrestling fans should just be happy that there is that alternative out there. I think the worst thing WCW tried to do was... was challenge WWE and try and overtake them. They were gloating about the fact that they were beating them, what was it, 56 or 57 weeks in a row on television. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that was nice at the time, but what did that ultimately amount to? Because now you're out of business. I think... I really hope that AEW doesn't kind of fall into that trap. Be your own company, have your own identity. I've been a little bit worried over the last couple of weeks because it seems like they're bringing in a lot of former WWE talent, signing the big show and and signing Christian Cage and whatnot. Both talented guys. Sting, of course. You don't want to kind of sign too many old guys and then eliminate the, the younger talent that you're trying to build up. I totally get it because those guys have name recognition and it's tnt you kind of get the wcw vibe yeah but don't don't overdo it you know focus on the guys like the adam pages the young bucks the cody Rhodes, the guys that brought you to the dance in the first place don't become wcw 2.0 right um just one or two here more on wrestling because i do want to ask you about the raps and uh and the nba yeah um what you know you referenced there no one is going to, at least not in the foreseeable future, push Vince out of first place. What, in your mind, is success for AEW? Is it a, is it a certain level of ratings? Um, is it kind of just getting to a mainstream recognition? Like, what, what to you would make them, you know, or what do you think they think makes them successful? I think they're already successful right now. I, I think they were very fortunate to find to sign that network deal that they did right before the pandemic, because yeah. obviously without having fans in the arena, you're not raking in the income. But now they have steady money coming in for the foreseeable future, which is really great for them. They're, they just set a record with uh, AEW Revolution for the most pay-per-view buys that they could exceed at 100,000, which is awesome for them. I yeah. think the, the barbed wire death match was a big draw for them, even though the explosion <laughs> at the end was a complete yeah. dud. <laughs> that's, that's neither here nor there. But for right now, I mean, you have this war on on Wednesday nights. I don't know how much longer that's going to last because there is uh, reports out there that NXT might be moving to Tuesday because uh, NBC Universal is going to try and get hockey on Wednesday night. So there might have to be a schedule change because right now that's the thing I don't really like about this Wednesday night war is that they're separating the audience. I think AEW by itself could be drawing in excess of a million wrestling fans each and every week, which would be awesome for them. I think their numbers right now are fine. Mm -hmm. They're really strong considering they're beating NXT on a weekly basis, but them by themselves drawing a million. I think the fact that WWE is noticing them and being like, okay, there is something going on over there right now. And they are signing some of these guys. Obviously the, the cops outside, I don't know if you can hear them (laughs) right now. They don't like my wrestling takes. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. You know what? I do. I do actually live uh, around the block from a police station because I, I was noticing during some recent recordings of my podcast, I was like, why is there so many, friggin sirens going off every time i'm doing a recording and my fiance was like well we do live around the corner from a station i'm like right okay my, that actually makes some my sense, condo's so. just up the street from the fire station the local fire oh, okay. station in ottawa <laughs> so every now and then yeah the 
the trucks roll by and you're like, uh, and it always is just when you've started recording. Right? I just use that as a site. I'm just like, you know what? I, my takes are so bad. The yeah. cops are out to get me. So <laughs> that's fine. But you know, but going back to your question, I think AW is in a really strong position right now. You know, there are rumors that they're going to be signing more talent uh, in the foreseeable future. A big name like Andrade, which, which just hit the market, I think mm-hmm. would be a supreme talent for them. Expand the Hispanic audience as well. So I, I think, again, as long as they're not trying to directly compete with wwe and just continue down the road that they're on they're going to continue to be successful i know he's in his 40s now and um you know it's a long shot all these things but if they ever bring in punk they'll have me all in right like oh yeah that would be huge for them yeah (laughs) um last one then i guess on this subject you mentioned you've become obviously more of an AEW fan, a little bit fed up with WWE. Do you still follow it at all? We're just a couple of weeks away from WrestleMania. Will the big shows like that still get your attention? I'll always watch WrestleMania. I still listen to a lot of podcasts that uh, kind of summarize Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown for me because I like to keep up with the storylines. I think the pay-per-views in general have been really strong. Mm-hmm. When you just let the competitors wrestle, the matches are really damn good. It's just the television is so bad. Like a guy like over the last year who's been one of my favorites is Matt Riddle. Okay, uh, I, I always enjoyed his MMA background, but they eliminated his first name for some reason. They yeah. just call him Riddle now, which I thought was a stupid change. And now he's a guy who's running riding a scooter around and making jokes from like the 2000s about dude where's my car he's kind of like the modern day rob van dam in that regard they okay. kind of did the same thing the with him, him back in here. the day and i'm yes. like jesus christ just let these guys wrestle yeah. so the pay-per-views are really good i'm looking forward to wrestlemania this year i think they're they're main events with like Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre and the the potential of a triple threat with Daniel Bryan Edge and Roman Reigns those are going to be great I'm a little bit weary about having fans in attendance you know I was with the same kind of weariness I had during the Super Bowl Mm -hmm. but uh, hopefully they're kind of planning accordingly keeping everybody safe it'll be nice to have a, a live crowd reaction and not just like this is awesome on mp3 kind of <laughs> looping throughout the damn match i'm so sick of that crap but uh yeah wrestlemania i mean every each and every year no matter how bad wwe is i'm always going to catch the big show i am totally with you there that in the rumble i still i still watch every year no matter what absolutely going on. so uh why don't we move over and talk a little bit of basketball and i should preface this for the listener uh in case this is immediately out of date but it is wednesday afternoon uh the day before the NBA trade deadline reports fa- uh, flying all over the place on what the Raptors may or may not do. So we may touch on that a little bit, but uh, in case you're wondering why we're not talking about uh, the huge Kyle Lowry deal, it's because in, in the world where we're recording this, that hasn't happened yet. Uh, may or may Thank not. God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> why don't we start with just sort of your general sense on what's gone wrong this year? Because, they did struggle out of the gate and then it looked like they had put it all back together and now it's sort of fallen apart again. What has kind of in a general sense, in your opinion, been the problem this year and, and why have they struggled quite this bad? Honestly, the season was doomed from the very beginning. I think playing in Tampa Bay, not having the comfort of being in Toronto, playing in your own stadium, playing with fans, for starters, using your own facilities and living in your own apartments or homes or wherever you are, that does take a mental toll on the players. And I think it's very unfortunate because the Raptors are the only team that really has to deal with that right now. Yeah. Obviously, they recently, you know, the, they're in the midst of this nine game losing streak right now. You know, we hit rock bottom when we uh, let the Houston Rockets, who, who <laughs> lost 20 in a row, 
you know, kind of take us down, especially when we had most of our players in the lineup. That was very disheartening. We've had some injuries along the way. There was some contact tracing with COVID as well, which had a number of not just the players, but the coaches being sidelined as well. This season has really never gotten off to really a good start. I mean, they they, they began the season 2-8, and eight, and it was, you know, they kind of got themselves back up to the 500 mark. They were 17-17, and 17, but... Now, now that they're not on this nine-game losing skid, and now that we're at the trade deadline, you're hearing all of these reports about possibly Kyle Lowry getting moved, and Norman Powell as well, two guys that could walk at the end of the season. Obviously, you know that would be the worst-case scenario, and, and in a perfect world, you'd get some really good pieces for them, but we don't know where their hearts lie. Maybe Kyle Lowry does intend on, on leaving uh, when he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Maybe he doesn't want to play his last few seasons in Toronto or Tampa or wherever uh, the Raptors end up playing their games. But yeah, it's been a very frustrating year. I kind of, when the Raptors won the championship in 2019, I kind of gave them like a, a five to 10 year wiggle room. I'm like, you know what? I'm not a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. I've seen how frustrated that fan base is that they haven't won a Stanley Cup in God knows how long. They haven't won a playoff round in God knows how long. Exactly. Just be grateful that the Boston Bruins aren't in the NBA to take down the Raptors each and every year. I'm, I'm, I'm so fortunate that that's the case. But when the Raptors won a championship, something that I never in my wildest dreams thought was a possibility... I was like, you know what? I'm good for at least a decade. I don't know how the rest of this core is going to play out. You know, we re-signed Siakam. We got Van Vliet on a pretty favorable deal. We have a nice core of pieces with OG Ananobi. Nick Nurse has proven himself as well. So even when this team kind of bottoms out, so to speak, I think they're still going to be a pretty competitive team for the foreseeable future. It's just seeing a guy like Kyle Lowry, who's about to turn 35 years old, if he hasn't already, you know, playing in the twilight of his career. I, in a, I would love to see him compete for another NBA championship. It's just, it's highly unlikely he's going to do so with the Toronto Raptors. So the next 24, 48 hours are going to be really interesting in terms of what this team ultimately looks like. I hope he ends up in a good situation. If he, if not just staying here, maybe he signs a two-year deal at the end of the season. But there's just so many question marks right now, and I think that's the most frustrating part for Raptors fans like myself. What would you do? Do you think it's time to let Kyle go try and compete somewhere else um, if you can get the right deal? Um, and, and, you know, if that was the case, if you did unload a couple of these guys, you know, mm -hmm. how, how quick could you start to turn it back around or would you kind of be throwing in the towel for a few years? Like what heartstrings aside where we all want to see Kyle stay in Toronto, mm -hmm. what do you think the right play is here? Oh, oh, I also live across the street from a church, by the way. I don't know if you hear the church bells okay. right now. That might be fading. I live in the weirdest part of spot of Lindsay, man. I got Seriously? police sirens. I got church bells. I mean, God, this is just a bad situation for podcasts. <laughs> Not a great day so, for an afternoon nap either. A great place for an afternoon nap. Yeah. Man. Oh, well, for, my cat will uh, bother me more so than the bells and the <laughs> okay. sirens than anything else. He was trying to climb on the table here, knock over my beer. Not happening today, Walter. <laughs> Walter Walder, best name for nice, a cat, by like the way. Um, but yeah, when it comes to Kyle Lowry, um, I've kind of accepted the fact that he's probably gone. And if if that is indeed the case, I would like to see him get traded in the, in the next few days just because I've seen Kawhi Leonard leave. I've seen Serge Ibaka leave. I've seen Marc Gasol leave. Three starters for that championship team. And they leave without any compensation because they were unrestricted free agents, right? right? The yeah. last thing I wanted to see is a Kyle Lowry, a Norman Powell say, hey, We've kind of peaked with this core Raptors group. I'm going to go explore my options elsewhere. 
whether that be with the Miami Heat, the the Philadelphia 76ers, we don't know where uh, Lowry would like to go. So if that's the case, trade him to a Philly, Miami, get whatever you can, get some young pieces, get some draft picks, whatever they can offer, instead of losing him for absolutely nothing. And I think, you know, Raptors fans are a very optimistic group. They enter every season saying, you know what, if we get into the playoffs, we can shock the world. You know, and now that we have these play-in games in the NBA playoffs, if we could sneak in as an eighth seed, if we can compete with a team like Philadelphia, maybe upset them in the first round, it, it's a little too much optimism, <laughs> unfortunately, because I don't think that's actual actually going to happen. So I think the Raptors too much optimism. Stayed- I'm not familiar with this phenomenon as a fan. Yeah, of a different no, I know. Mean, you're a Leafs fan. Yeah. You don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> Jeez, even when they were winning, they were like, "This is going to backfire yeah, on no, us quickly." Exactly. Right? We're just waiting yeah. for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> <laughs> but for Raptors. Fans, I've kind of just taken a deep breath and accepted, hey, this season is a wash. It was a wash from the very beginning playing in Tampa Bay. Kyle Lowry is probably gone. Let's move forward. Let's see what this team is going to look like three to five years down the road. Get as many assets as you can. I love Kyle Lowry. He will go down as the greatest Raptor of all time, but all good things come to an end. Mm -hmm. Um, I think every bit as concerning as what happens with Kyle, at least for me, is What's going on with Masai? And his contract is up at the end of this season, uh, not yet re-signed with the team. Is that on your mind? Is that a concern? Or do you assume that that will get done? Yeah, you're definitely not a part of Raptors Twitter. This is like a daily occurrence for us where we're like, why hasn't Masai okay. Jerry signed a 10, 15-year extension? <laughs> Seriously, just give them with all the, the money. Yes. Oh, God. This is like the number one, two, three yeah. storylines when it wasn't about Kyle Lowry and Norman Powell. Um the thing with Masai Ujiri is, is that, I mean, he's already one of the best minds in basketball right now. Mm-hmm. I've kind of foreseen that if he does leave the Raptors, I think he's going to get into something that's non-basketball related. Really? I think he he has his outside ventures with the Giants of Africa. I think he could be doing more philanthropic, I can't even say the word, uh, but like more like charity work with the other organizations. Yeah. It's the beer. This is what happens when you make me drink no, a half during this <laughs> during a podcast, man. I can't pronounce words. <laughs> but uh, I think that's ultimately where I see Masai Ujiri going. I think there was a lot of talk. I remember when the Raptors won the championship and Woj came out like minutes later and was like, oh, the Washington Wizards yeah. are interested in Masai Ujiri's service. I'm like, dude, we haven't even been champions for two and a half yeah, minutes. A and you're already trying to rain on our parade how <laughs> dare you sir um but i think that i think that's ultimately where Masai goes i the fact that he d- hasn't signed an extension yet does kind of worry me he has said in the past that he was waiting for you know bobby webster uh to get his deal and to, to sign deals for like the fred van vliet's and the pascal siakams of the team but now that those are out of the way i do question why he hasn't elected to stay around i would think that you know mlsc would pay every dollar they had to keep yep. him around with the success the team has had but again we i don't necessarily know where messiah jury wants to be maybe he does think that he has peaked with this group and once a kyle lowry and norman powell are dealt you know the upside just isn't there at least for the next little while so Again, if he does walk, I think that's where he ends up going. But again, the stress on a, on a daily basis. You know, I got my Woj alerts. I got my Sham Sharani alerts. <laughs> I will be ready when those when those bombshells come through, whether it's a big trade or Masai Ujiri staying or going, I will be aware. <laughs> so, well, Sham's um, ruffled some feathers here again just this week with, um, you know, a, a report that the Raptors had fined Pascal Siakam 50 grand for a blow up with uh, coach Nick Nurse. Now, 
there seems to be some question as to whether that fine actually happened, but the reporting is out there that the blow up absolutely did. Um, do you think that's just the symptom or one of the symptoms of this rough season and the frustration that's going on? Or are there issues, do you think, between Siakam and the organization? Yeah, I shouldn't have said that Sham Sharani. I, I should be dis- unsubscribing to his alerts because he is public enemy number one right now Seriously? for the Toronto Raptors feeding. Up. I think the Raptors, honestly, there's like this conspiracy theory out there that the Raptors are feeding him false information to make him look bad because he had this, <laughs> this report a little while ago about Nick Nurse and, and the coaching staff not wearing masks or whatnot. That was the reason why the, the, the team got infected and it ruffled a lot of feathers. And I think now they're like, screw it. Let's just give him some crap to, to start tweeting out and whatnot and just make him look like an idiot uh but i mean at the i mean at the end of the day this this fight this you know argument between pascal siakam and nick nurse did happen i read the report today from michael grange that really good it was a lot more serious people haven't absolutely yeah it was a, a lot more serious than many people probably thought you know it went beyond just cursing and swearing at each other it got very personal and i think it, i think ultimately you know winning cures a lot of of what ails you when you're when you're fighting in the midst of a nine game losing streak yeah tensions are going to flare you're going to be more upset than you usually would be and if you start winning all is forgiven i think nick and pascal's relationship is very strong I think this unfortunately has brought up questions about whether Siakam is your the guy that you want to invest in for the like the long term throughout the duration of his contract. Maybe you do explore trading him somewhere down the road. I wouldn't start shopping him now right. per se, but these these you know these outbursts like what we just saw with him and Nick and his play has also been very poor. He did he was a little bit on an upswing there for a little bit, but I think a lot of people still have a, a bad taste in their mouth from the bubble because he was clearly one of the yeah. worst Raptors. I think if he was on his game, we could have been talking about another Toronto Raptors finals appearance, but I guess wow, you can't yeah. uh, uh, dwell on the past. But right. he has shown glimpses of getting his game back together. But again, when he has like these these outbursts like he had with Nick, it, it's not a good look for him. It's not a good look for the organization. But whether this $50,000 fine happened or not, Sham Sharania, you're on borrowed time with Raptors Twitter, my friend. <laughs> um, do you think, you know, if we're in a spot where they're at least exploring the idea, as they should, of, um, you know, trading Kyle, trading Norm, you have to at least look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you suggested, you know, maybe not today, maybe t- not tomorrow, but down the road, if Pascal is not the guy, maybe you're trading him. Do you think they're seriously considering right now just a complete tear it down to the studs? We we got the championship. Um, as you referenced, a bunch of guys left for nothing. Um, you know, is there a possibility that the Raps could be heading into a couple of really tough years here? Or are they going to try and kind of retool and and stay competitive here? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know what constitutes as tearing it, tearing it down. Does that mean firing Nick? Does that mean trading Pascal? I think Kyle, Kyle was always going to go. You know what? I mean, if if he ends up signing a two year deal or whatever, which I don't think is happening, I think that's a lot of Raptors fans would like to see that because it's Kyle Lowry and yeah. Kyle Lowry over everything. But I think he's gone. But right. when you look at the core, like that 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 top three guys: your Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, mm-hmm. Fred VanVleet. 
you build around those three guys. I think the pieces right now just don't mesh. We're, we're starting, we start or we started Aaron Baines yes. for a good chunk of the season, which has not plant pay, paid off the, the way that they probably envisioned. He's not Marcus Saul. Even a 35, 36 year old Marcus Saul uh, is more of a factor defensively than what Aaron Baines is giving them right now. The guy's blowing open dunks. Like it, it's been, it's been really bad. I, I really like what they've we've seen with Chris Boucher. They got him on a nice contract right now to keep him around for a couple of years. Maybe you ha- you factor him in with that core. But if that's like the, your key guys for the next little while, I think even at their worst, they're still going to be a middle of the road team in the Eastern Conference. I just think right now we're just so distressed over the fact that they're losing so much. Yeah that we can't see the forest through the trees. They were 17 and 17 not that long ago after starting 2 and 8. I still think Nick Nurse is one of the top coaches in the association. I just think right now it's about surrounding those three guys with the right pieces. And unfortunately this offseason, I think they envisioned keeping one of Mark or Serge, preferably Serge because he's younger. That didn't plan out the way they did. The team struggled, COVID happened. They're not at they're not at home. I always looked at the season as a wash, but if you have those three guys and if Pascal kind of gets his head back on his shoulders and starts playing like the all-star starter he was not too long ago, I think the team will be just fine. If that goes south, then we have a problem. Right. Yeah, I, I just I guess it depends on what your goals are, right? Like the NBA is such a star-driven league that I mean, I guess most of the teams go into every season knowing it's unlikely that you're going to be a finalist because when you you talk about that core or those three guys to yeah. me that doesn't scream championship it does scream competitive right it probably screams playoffs but until a superstar becomes available again or you draft one um you know maybe that's all you can hope for is just to be competitive for a while yeah, didn't you hear Kawhi Leonard's going to come back oh, one good. day, you know? Cool. <laughs> it's just that easy. We just need to wait for Kawhi to come back. This is just a little detour for him. Yeah. He wanted to go home during the pandemic, just which is visit. totally understandable. Sure, yeah. And uh, he'll come back to Toronto, which is his one true love. You know, he comes back uh, a hero when the team does return to Toronto. No, I'm just I'm yeah. just blowing smoke up my own ass at this point. But uh, again, everything kind of played out very well in 2019. The, the worlds came together and we got that superstar that we needed to put the team over the top. A lot of fans kind of still hold DeMar DeRozan close to their hearts. He mm-hmm. was a, a total fan favorite, but the ceiling was there when he was your number one score. When right. you upgraded to Kawhi Leonard, you're like, okay, even if he's only here for a year, you can realistically challenge for a championship. And for you know, f- they were fortunate enough that the Golden State Warriors, who if they had Kevin Durant healthy, they probably would have steamrolled us, but that didn't happen. You can't account for injuries and all that stuff. The Raptors won the 2019 championship. So at the end of the day, you can look back at this core group and say, hey, we we got to the promised land. We have a ring. Now it's just kind of about retooling, regrouping, getting those core pieces together and kind of building a future contender. And I, I you know, as much as I said earlier, Raptors fans are optimistic. We know that championship window is closed. It's about building for the future and the next ring when it does happen. So in a broader sense, then, as we step away from the Raptors a little bit, kind of how do you see the rest of this season playing out? If I was to force you to uh, to pick a final or predict a finals right now, how do you uh, look at where everybody is and how do you see this playing out? Oh, Raptors, Lakers, of course. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, um, I, I will say I think the Lakers, when they're healthy, 
Uh, LeBron James had this recent ankle injury. Yeah. Hopefully that's nothing that lingers throughout the rest of the season because I think the NBA is at its most enjoyable when LeBron is at his peak. When he's healthy, you know, if, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And I think if, if you want to do that, you got to beat LeBron right. and Anthony Davis, of course, well, not to sell him short. Yeah, sure. Um, as far as who they play in the finals, and I also don't want the Clippers to get there because I think they're just trying to repeat the Raptors' luck and just try and acquire everyone who is a part of that 2019 <laughs> team. Thank God they don't have the assets for Kyle Lowry. <laughs> Kyle Lowry went to the Clippers. I'd probably cry, cry myself to sleep. Um, but for the Lakers in the finals, I think it's going to be the Brooklyn Nets. I think when the playoffs come, I think it's going to be insanely hard to beat that team in a seven-game series. Kevin Durant... James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and now Blake Griffin, if he can give them anything as a sixth man at that point. And, you know, if they had Spencer Dinwiddie, for crying out loud, I mean, he's hurt if he was in their rotation. I mean, offensively, they're not stopping anybody. Defensively, there's going to be a lot of 160 to 159 (laughs) games for Brooklyn. But I just think when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, I don't see anyone in the East, even the Philadelphia 76ers, the Milwaukee Bucks, I don't see anyone taking them down. So right now, don't hold me to this, but I, I see the Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets, uh, both teams healthy, and then the Lakers beating Brooklyn in six. Wow. Okay. I like it. Um, that You're right. That Brooklyn team, and you could just see it even through the pandemic and through the free agency and stuff. You're like, they're building something there, right? Like that's going to be, mm-hmm. when it finally gets on the court, that's going to be incredible. When everybody's healthy and Man, it um, yeah, that looks like a tough one to beat for uh, sure. I'm also wearing a Brooklyn Nets hat right now, which is one of the few hats that fit me. I have a big head. I have I big know the head feeling, syndrome. Man. Yes. So uh, I got I, I I just like the Brooklyn Nets logo. So they're on my mind, literally and figuratively. <laughs> okay, I like that. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, maybe we'll start to wind this one down. Tell us again where people can find the show. Tell us the name of the podcast, and uh, you know if you got anything you want to tease coming up. Yeah, man. Um, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports, W-A-L, Diaz and Dog, E-R. You'd be surprised how many people don't know how to spell Walder or it sounds like Walter. I, I got to make that clear. I no, should we're going to follow the my- cat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Walter. Hey, Walter. <laughs> he's, he's digging into his toy box right now. He's My fiance say he has the zoomies. He goes up and down the apartment and tries to burn some calories. I should probably do that myself. <laughs> gotta, wrap, um, but yeah. uh, gotta wrap the Fitbit around him and send him off there. Get my steps in for the day. Dude, that's an amazing idea. <laughs> yeah. now, I might actually consider doing that just to see how many steps he does during the day in this little old apartment. But uh, yeah, uh, subscribe to the Walter Sportscast. I got a really cool episode coming up this weekend. I'm going to be talking to the Aaron Baines fan club. I don't even know his name. He has like 74,000 followers on Twitter. He's like this mystery guy. I think he's done other interviews in the past, but he's never said his name. He's a guy from Boston. I'm looking forward to researching researching him this week. So I think it's going to be a really fun interview. So check out my past stuff. I appreciate you uh, checking out the the Matt Bonner interview and the Zoobs interview. And again, I'm I'm really passionate about this podcast. I'm going to keep doing it as long as people are interested and again thanks for having me on the show man it was a, it was a really good time i think you're an awesome host and and do whenever you want me back man i'd be more than happy to drink a beer with you well you know what maybe um you know if things go the way they look like they're going and and hopefully everybody gets vaccinated here pretty soon um you know, next time down in uh, in the Lindsay area, we'll do one uh, in the in the little backyard studio or something like that. I would absolutely love to do that, man. Hold me to that. When when this pandemic is over, we'll grab a beer in person and, and sit, uh, hopefully, away from the cow manure here yeah, in Lindsay, Ontario. Really? <laughs>
have a little a uh, couple options from the pie eyed monk i believe is there uh is the Lindsay local brewery so oh dude okay now that you bring up the pie eyed monk because my fiance was like oh they're gonna ask you about local beers right i'm like yeah probably it's like don't endorse the pie eyed monk oh, we went there wow. for one we went there for one lunch they they burnt for, well to be fair they have new management right now i need okay. to go back and kind of see their stuff right we went there once we they burned our pizza twice and then the beer that they had there, that was w- one of the only beers that I've ever had where I didn't finish it. That's so funny you say that because it's probably two years ago now, not long after Christmas, me and a few of my cousins went over there and I didn't like any of the beers they had on tap. None of them. Yes. I tried a, um, <laughs> they, what do they call them? The little samplers. They bring it like five small cups. Uh, I like mini flights. Yeah. yeah. A flight. That's right. And I tried them all. I'm like, I don't love any of these, but I picked one. I actually, uh, that night, I had a pizza there. I thought it was really good. So maybe I had good mm-hmm. luck, you had bad luck, whatever it might have been. Oh, and I was just sort of like, I, I didn't love the beer. I'm like, I, I guess that'll be the end of that. And then the next summer, my cousin brought some some cans over, and I really liked all of them. So again, was it just, uh, you know, the ones I tried weren't so good, or the ones they can and sell are better mm-hmm. than the ones they have in house? I, I don't know, but I was glad I gave them a second chance on the, on the beers anyway, and... Uh, but yeah, it's kind of some mixed experiences, apparently, with the old pie-eyed monk. There's really no reason for me not to go back because I live across the street from the damn brewery. So I should go it's, back. I it's should Lindsay, give them you a live across the street chance. from everything. Where else am I going, man? Like, well, there's <laughs> nothing to do around here. There's a church and a Mr. Sub. If, I, if I'm not going to either of those places, I should probably go to the pie-eyed monk. You know what? For the sake, it, when you, whenever you want to have me back on, if you do, yep. uh, I'll go to the Pie and Monk beforehand and I'll come with a, with a better review, hopefully, <laughs> of their brew stuff. Because, man, oh, man, was that experience that soured me on them big time. Uh, and I highly recommend, uh, you know, if you're ever feeling the uh, the Bob Cajun Brewing Company, you've had a bunch of their stuff really good. And they do uh, free delivery over to the Lindsay area. So um, not a bad way to go. Most of these breweries now, especially back here in Ottawa, too, um, free delivery, right? Want to make sure they can keep getting their <laughs> stuff out. So, uh, that has been one of the things from the pandemic I've, I've really enjoyed is, uh, and I hope it sticks around after is suddenly these breweries deliver and, uh, wouldn't mind yeah. seeing that continue. Well, I'm going to check out the Bob Cajun brewing company. Cause I remember seeing some of their stuff at uh, the local supermarket yep. here. So I'm going to hold you to that. If it's not any good, I'm going to be coming at you <laughs> with fists of fury, uh, because I, I need a new beer, man. Look, I love the publican house. Yep. Uh, I've kind of kicked drinking like the, the Molson's and the, and the, the Canadians of the bats and stuff like that. It's not for me anymore. I'm all about local stuff. Yep. So Bob Cajun, you're next on the list. That sounds great. And, uh, when we can, we'll do something in person there in, uh, in the Lindsay area. Uh, that's been Chris Walder of the Walder sports cast. My name, of course, Matt Robinson. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at tall can audio, and I hope you'll hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this one. And we will post, of course, the, uh, the links that Chris has referenced there, uh, in the show notes at TallCanAudio.com. Uh, we will catch you all on the next tall can audio podcast. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. It was a disgrace. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCanAudio on your favorite podcast app.